0: When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired word all the way to revelation. Joining us on today's show is Dr. Henry Morris III, CEO of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Morris.
1: Going to be talking about the conflict, or at least the apparent conflict, between what the Bible says and what science says. Seem to be a real issue these days. Way back when the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, You got to watch out, Timothy. There are a lot of, the uh, old you know, King James talks about vain babblings and profane things, and then he uses the word in the Greek language, pseudoscience or false knowledge. There is a way of understanding data that really can be twisting the things of Scripture. We want to try to get at the root of that over the next uh, few sessions together. It may sound like something of a complex issue, but really it's not that bad. When Paul told Timothy you got to avoid these things, he was setting up a condition that may sound a little bit extreme. But, for instance, a scientist who uses the Big Bang to justify his difference between the clear text of Scripture is really no different than a Sort of an ignorant peasant who sees the Virgin Mary appear in the dust of the road or the grease clinging to the wall. <laughs> the logic is pretty much the same. Personal experience or belief substitutes or superimposes itself on the written words of God. Matter of fact, the peasant may well have a better excuse. They're usually ignorant and untaught. Rarely do they know what the written word says. God actually may be more forgiving of their zeal, but the Christian scholar, the one who studied the Bible and takes pains to search the biblical text for those words which can be made to fit his vision of the truth, that person is in far more danger than the peasant. The world's way of looking at things really tries to exclude the idea of God from even our thinking process. What we want to attempt to do in these sessions together is to see the contrast between what is really information, data, facts, things that we can test and understand as true science would be, and that which distorts it. To be considered science, of course, a given piece of knowledge is supposed to have been tested and reproduced and even falsified, that is, understood well enough to know what would make it wrong. We think about these implications of the scientific method and the difference between faith and science really all the time without thinking too much about it faith from the biblical perspective is that which helps us understand the the very first act of god creating our reality science from the biblical perspective supports and verifies or confirms or affirms the text those who want to twist the information that god has given us to suit their understanding of things really are trying to build some sort of a hybrid or an amalgamation of information. But to get a good understanding of this, really, we have to start kind of at the beginning. What does the world really see as truth? We use the word evolution today or naturalism. It's really much bigger than that. It's a, a way of seeing the entire world. We often use the term worldview. The basic evolutionary theory is really foundational to all of this. In fact, it's become so well-established in the educational world that it seems somewhat silly to review the basic tenets here, but it's important to understand exactly what these false ideas are based on. To begin with, the assumption is that the universe is very, very old, somewhere between 18 and 20 billions of years old. That's incomprehensible, really. Most of the popular theories suggest that somewhere in the distant past— All of the energy that existed was confined in one small speck, and it exploded. We usually refer to that as the Big Bang. And from that explosion, various stars and galaxies began to coalesce, and ultimately the planets. And then on our planet, life began to evolve from accidental bumpings of atoms together. Millions and millions of years ago, And all of that is interpreted from what we are supposed to understand as the facts of science, usually referring to the geological deposits in the fossil record and that sort of thing. The whole idea of God creating something out of nothing is simply dismissed as a myth or a bedtime story. All of the naturalistic theories, those things that attempt to explain what we can see and test— without God in the story really are conscious efforts to exclude anything supernatural from the information. We're going
0: to take a short break. Dr. Morris will have more on this important topic in a moment. The design of the human body inspires awe and fascination, and for good reason. It's made up of so many different parts and systems all working together for a greater purpose. Check out our book Guide to the Human Body to discover astonishing facts about the construction of the cell, the mechanics of hands and feet, and the incredible abilities of the brain. Published by the Institute for Creation Research, Guide to the Human Body will answer questions you didn't even know you had. How do our eyes give us sight? How does a baby take its first breath? What happens to the human body in outer space? guide to the human body's full-color images and easy-to-read format shows our amazing design points to the ultimate designer, God. Order your copy from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio
1: ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Morris. Some of you will probably remember the 20th century philosopher Dr. Francis Schaeffer. He wrote a number of very excellent books on understanding information. And as the humanist movement began to gather steam in the Western world, they developed what they called a manifesto, a, a statement of their beliefs. Dr. Schaefer reacted to that and developed what became called a Christian manifesto. And in it, he introduced some very important issues for us to understand. I'm quoting from that manifesto that was written back in the early 80s. Dr. Safer said the basic problem of the Christians in this country, at least in the last 80 years or so—now remember, that's back in the 1980s—in regard to society and government is that they have seen things in bits and pieces instead of totals. They've very gradually become disturbed over permissiveness and pornography in the public schools, etc., but they fail failed to see that all of that has come about as a due to a shift in worldview— that is, through a fundamental change in the overall way people think and view the world and life as a whole. These worldviews, in contrast, stand as totals, Dr. Schafer would suggest, in total opposites to each other, in content and also in their natural results, including the sociological and governmental results, and specifically including law. It's not that these two worldviews are different only in how they understand the nature of reality and existence. They are also inevitably producing totally different results. The operative word here is inevitable. It's not just that they happen to bring forth different results, but it's absolutely inevitable that they will bring forth different results. The way we think about something ultimately changes what we do with the information and ultimately, of course, impacts our lives. The profound thought, and one that has demonstrated itself in recent years by all manner of social ills. Somehow we seem to pass over them without paying much attention. But up until the age of reason, you may remember that phrase, the mechanics of training and education were structured very differently. Science, as such, had its foundation in the gods more than it did in intellectual prowess of the educator. Many of the better scientists were considered to be on the borderline of the occult. Some were called witches and warlocks, but more were seen as magicians or sorcerers or alchemists. There can be no question that there was demonic activity among some, but I suspect that most were attempting to learn information that might be useful— in making things happen. This is the overall process that was introduced prior to the Western world's age of reason. Followed something like this. Learn the facts. They really were looking for truth. Learn to think. Learn how to think. Use the truth that you had uncovered and then learn to do. That is, apply the truth that you had uncovered. The God of the universe, or the gods of the universe, really were the source of all the facts. Supernaturalism, in the sense that it was not understandable by natural processes, was central to all kinds of thinking. Biblical data was seldom sought, but the gods, as in pantheism or polytheism, was common religious thinking— After the Enlightenment of the 1700s, there was a significant shift in the way people taught each other. The magicians and the the warlocks and the witches were gone, and in place were the thinkers. The supernatural began to fade quickly from the intellectual scene, and the era of enlightened naturalism began to take hold. Briefly, here's what took place. They began to compare the theories—that is, question what was true or not— They began to choose the best of the theories—they liked the one that they liked—and then they used the one that worked, or they were more pragmatic. God and man were somehow equal sources of information. Faith was still important, but rationalism and naturalism were the dominant way of thinking, both in and out of religious circles. This is the era where the scientists tended to be more biblically oriented— then the theologians, this was the era of Isaac Newton and Johann Kepler and Michael Faraday. These were the men who were the foundations of all of our modern science, and they were men of Scripture, men of good, solid faith in the words of God. But sadly, that also was the era where the religious establishment began to wield its heavenly power against those who were questioning naturalism. Origin became the thinker for mystical ideas. We soon learned that the supernatural really wasn't relevant at all.
0: Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, dvd series and conferences please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you all of this and more at icr.org if you've enjoyed this podcast subscribe to science scripture and salvation on itunes Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.